covenant demonstrated by man. Let me take that again. I said that when I was meditating today pertaining to our meeting, I was asking the Lord, what would you have me zero in on or concentrate on? And what I heard in my spirit, what was heavenly and heavily imparted to my spirit was the need for people to understand what covenants are all about and probably look at some of the tokens of covenants in recent times before we now go ahead and say okay now that we want to renew covenants what are we talking about we did look you know just in terms of reading at psalm 89 and deuteronomy 29 Tonight, I might delve into Psalm 89, a few verses, maybe five or at most seven different verses, just speaking for us to have a little understanding into that. But what I felt would be useful, like Sister Sharon started tonight asking, she hopes everyone came ready with their own questions that there will be the need to fully understand what covenants are about. So that if I'm renewing the covenant with God over my life, the covenant with God over our family, the covenant with God over our marriage, the covenant with God over our lineage and ancestry, the covenant over our lives as a people whether it be a clan or a tribe the covenant of god over us as a community or a city the covenant of god over us as a nation the covenant of god over us as a continent god's covenant with the earth god's covenant with creation so much so that he says as long as the earth remaineth he even talks about time his covenant with time which is why i talked about you know the aspect that has to do with covenant with day covenant with night time permitting we'll go to that in jeremiah whether we're looking at Jeremiah 31 or the other, you know, two passages in Jeremiah. Let's see how God helps us. But what makes it even more significant is that there is a people that he entered a covenant with as his firstborn nation. According to Exodus chapter 4, verse 20 to 22 verse 22 in particular he said israel is my son even my firstborn son so let my son go otherwise i will kill your firstborn talking to pharaoh of egypt in this particular case and when it came to that it was important for us to understand and it still is important for us to understand 
that if we choose a firstborn, there must be a secondborn, a thirdborn, maybe a hundredthborn, maybe a two hundredthborn, maybe a two hundred and fiftiethborn, depending on what kind of numbers you give to the nations. Whether each one keeps that covenant is dependent on that nation. Whether the individual keeps that covenant is dependent on that individual. Whether the family keeps the covenant is dependent on that family. So I would want us to understand that when God is going to start anything new, he starts with a covenant. And usually, because it has to do with God's covenant, God is the one who proposes the covenant. Just like we have the situation whether it's in Hosea chapter 2 or other scriptures like that, where God makes it clear that he has entered a covenant with his people, marrying them. You need to understand that when you ask a man go to marry a woman, you usually will propose. So God proposes the covenant. Why am I going through all this tonight? Because like I said, I want you to fully understand so that when we finally deploy everything, blowing from all cylinders, firing from all cylinders, there'll be nothing like I didn't have a solid foundation pertaining to covenants. When it comes to even giving examples, the examples will be contextualized, whether it is the Adamic covenant, the Noahic covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, uh, you know, the covenant with Israel, you know, even the covenant of priesthood, and all the other covenants, including the ultimate covenant in the blood of Jesus that reconciles not only us, but all things to God. And other expressions of everlasting covenants, including covenants of kingship that are given by a covenant of salt, we would then be able to say, okay, I now know what a covenant is. I know what covenants are about, and what they are meant for. So when I see any covenant, I should look for some basic characteristics and then I go on from there. So let me, in this introduction, before I answer questions, first of all say that if you look at God's covenant with Adam, God, first of all, started with the Godhead and said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over all cattle, over all the earth, over every living thing that moves upon the face of the earth. What God was saying, we as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are proposing the expression of the Godhead on earth, proposing to man to become our reflection on earth, to start the colony 
of heaven on earth and the one that is the spirit of the covenant has to always be there whether it has to do with the spirit of grace that now ushered us into the covenant of grace like we see clearly in Hebrews but don't let me go into that before I get into too many things right now the spirit of grace had to be the first one to come and when it comes to any kingdom the kingdom is based on a covenant between the king and his citizens the king and his representatives that's why even for ambassadors they sign you know some kind of letters that bind them to obedience to the king so it's a sort of a covenant of course they are not sent into nations where there are no relationships and relationships are normally bound by agreements and in the case of god or a deity it is a covenant relationship and the evidence of any relationship is the fruit of that relationship and it is important as we talk about covenants that we understand that there will always be the fruit of the covenant so that even our renewal of covenants we should understand the fruit of the covenant but let me continue with that genesis chapter one before i actually zero into what are we really talking about he did not only end with the aspect of let us make man in our image he started before getting there by saying let there be let there be now in verse 3 he said let there be light and there was light god saw that the light was good and god separated the light from darkness and god called the light day and the darkness he called night so when you go to jeremiah 31 you will see clearly that he actually had a covenant with day and a covenant with night and i'm going to show that to you in a moment maybe instead of just making reference to them and going on i will have to take my time and slow down and show you some of these scriptures and explain what I'm talking about. But permit me to finish what I'm saying first before we go to the illustrations with the scriptures. And some of you will recall that I just got to that particular you know, slide where I was talking about Jeremiah 31 verses 30 and 31 and all of the other scriptures that I would probably be going into. But here in Genesis chapter 1, verse 14, you see I've jumped because I was in verse 5. And then I jumped verse 8 to, you know, uh, 10. Actually, verse 6 to 8. Then verse 9 to 13. Then I'm now in verse 14. Now for those of you that know the Genesis chapter 1, you will realize there he talks about the firmament and since that time by covenant nothing has moved so note that down that when god makes a covenant is an everlasting covenant it never changes and if he is going to 
subsume it to a higher covenant, then it's just that it's an improvement. I believe somebody is following. So when it came to that, he decided that would be a firmament. Then the next set of verses, which was verses 9 to 13, they talked about the land and the sea. And according to Job 38, verses 8 to 11, he actually gave the sea its own boundaries and told it, this far you go and no further. And it doesn't matter how, you know, raging the waves of the sea, the sea cannot in any shape or form go beyond certain limits. So it's important for us to understand that. As I continue, let me just say here that he set limits for each one. So covenants are for new foundations. Covenants are for setting boundaries, setting limits, given instructions, given also assignments and all of that. And rights and responsibilities always accompany covenants. And that's why even in the marriage covenant, you have that day begins a new phase of your life together as husband and wife. And in the case of God, you know, being married to the land, being married to the nation, etc., etc., married to you as a person through the blood of Jesus, the everlasting covenant that brought Jesus himself, the author of salvation, back to life, according to Hebrews 13, verse 20. That said, as we talk about his covenant with day and night, because we know from, you know, Genesis chapter 8, from verse 20 to 22, you know, as long as the earth remains, because, you know, Noah, you know, I built an altar, and then we see in verse 22 that finally God said, as long as the earth remains, um, day and night, you know, uh, cold and heat, summer and winter, etc., etc., will never cease. And he actually put a sign of the covenant in the sky, the bow, the rain, rainbow, that was to say, he will never destroy the earth again by flood. All right, so every covenant, you have promises, you have conditions, etc., etc., and that becomes an important consideration for us to remember. Throughout human history, you know, every relationship is supposed to be based on covenant, whether, you know, permanent relationship between God and man or permanent relationship between God and any part of the universe and it is because God wants a personal intimacy. I, I thought I should lay this foundation this way today. God wants a personal intimacy. That's why he establishes a covenant with us as his people. So it's important that you remember 
that God is putting us in charge of certain things as the people who are in a, an intimate relationship with him and I began with the aspect of I want somebody to colonize the earth on my behalf because I am the king of all kingdoms in the universe but this is where my for lack of a better word covenant expression will be most evident because I want my reflection to be in charge on the planet called earth that is supposed to be the reflection of heaven that's why even in Matthew chapter 6 verses 9 and 10 when Jesus was teaching the disciples how to pray he says this then is how you should pray our father who art in heaven meaning you who are in the headquarters of the universe you who are in you know the capital city of the universe according to hebrews 20 i mean 12 verse 22 hebrews 12 verse 22 it says but you've come to mount zion the heavenly jerusalem but he said first of all the city of the living god the city of the living god the heavenly jerusalem okay then he talks about the company of angels etc etc but here he's talked about the capital city of the universe and he says i want that reflected on earth who would have thought that in a place where he had a covenant with people because ah let me remind you in case you were not there from the first you know uh episode i said that god makes a covenant with us for us with first people two places three time let me repeat that people places time people places time now if you understand that it will make a lot of difference so in the case of people i got to refer to the fact that there was a group of people that he decided to call his covenant people call Israel or you know most people say descendants of Abraham and you know that's because that's the one he proposed his covenant to and his descendants yes was there a particular you know strand of Abraham's you know descendants that he decided to use to illustrate as the firstborn yes and that's why you know when he came to the place that he had chosen for covenant he gave that also as the capital city to whoever he had a relationship with by the way uh, i know that i'm yet to finish the statement about having a personal a personal intimacy intimate relationship with god but let me ask what is the capital city again of the universe anybody answer me quickly the heavenly jerusalem, well, the heavenly jerusalem. 
and what is the seat of his government? Mount Zion. Mount, Mount Zion. Zion. Mount Zion. That's very good. Excellent. And then you come to the aspect that has to do with, you know, did he have any place on earth that he chose to be called these names? Put oh, differently. Yeah. Could it be that God wanted a reflection of the heavenly kingdom on earth? And when you are talking of seat of government, wherever your colony is, the government house, the governor's residence, is supposed to be officially the home country. True or false? True, sir. Somebody help me. It's true, sir. It's true. True. Excellent. Now, so could that be the reason why he decided to call wherever on earth he chooses or chose? And for those of you from some of the, you know, backgrounds where people understand covenants and understand that it is God or the gods in some cases that name the place they choose to have as their headquarters, the place of worship. You know that. Now, this is what God did. And he chose a place that will be called Jerusalem. Now, who were the people who called this place Jerusalem? Anybody? The obvious answer is God, yes. But who did he use? Who were the first human beings that he used to call the place Jerusalem? Jebusites. Jebusites, that's correct. So it wasn't the Jews that called the place Jerusalem. It's the Jebusites. Now, how about Mount Zion? Who did he use to call the place Mount Zion? Somebody. David? Sorry? David? David? No. According to the scriptures, both from First Chronicles 11, 2 Samuel chapter 5, and many other scriptures, David went to the stronghold of Zion to capture it. So it was already called Zion. And if you were to go to, you know, Joshua, maybe that's what I might have to do um, the next time, unless somebody has a question that has to do with that tonight, then I might have to show you the scripture in Joshua, so many other scriptures where clearly, you know, you see Jerusalem named Jerusalem and then, you know, the stronghold of Zion named even before David is born. So who named it? Uh oh. Come on, somebody help me answer. 
Oh wow! Failure to try is a trial to fail. But trying and not getting it exactly uh, has not made you a failure. You've just succeeded in knowing what is not for the sake of the next time. Melchizedek. Melchizedek. That's also good because Melchizedek is seen right from Genesis 14 as the king of Salem. Okay, but we don't see him necessarily calling Zion, Zion. So, Okay, maybe I should just help us to understand that it was the same Jebusites. By the way, the other names for Jerusalem are Salem, Ariel. Uh, some people approximated it to be called Jebus. Or the holy city, um, you know, Arabs, Elkabits, you know, that's the name up to today. Uh, some people call it the city of Judah, uh, some people call it the uh, city of peace, the possession of peace, the foundation of peace, you know, the city of completeness the city of wholeness, the city of soundness, you know, etc., etc. Now, why am I taking you through that? It's so that you understand when you say Jerusalem, it is not just some maybe religious name. I hope that is clear enough for everybody so far. Are we still together? Yes, sir. Is that where you said Yes, sir. Excellent. So, we do see that in Genesis chapter 14, verse 18, we have Melchizedek, the king of Salem. So, Salem, long before, because he is actually the one meeting who? Avram from you know, the defeat of the four kings that are defeated there. Chapter 10, we see several mentions of the city Jerusalem. Then we see judges in chapters 1, you know, we go on to quite a number of other chapters, including all the way to chapter 19 of Judges. You know, um, first Samuel, you see quite a bit of that. You know, then second Samuel, which I had already quoted quite a bit of that before you go to first chronicles, etc. etc. So let me say here, maybe I should take us to you know um Joshua probably that might be useful as much as I just want you to understand, don't lose sight of what we say. What I have said so far is that God is the one who named the place was choosing to reflect him. 
And as we talk today, from that perspective, that God has chosen a place, and it's supposed to be a reflection of what he wants done, how he wants it done, and his covenant with man, his covenant with places, including the place called Jerusalem and Zion, and his covenant with time. That's why from one man he made all nations of men that they should inhabit the whole earth and determine the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. So people, you know, places, time, very important. So that being said, let me probably take us to Joshua chapter 10. I really would love to go, you know, one by one scripture, one scripture, but let me just go to the, uh, Joshua chapter 10 to begin with, and then maybe after some point, we would be able to look at answering a few questions concerning covenant. But I hope we understand that what I've said so far is that the reason why Jerusalem is important is not because there are Jews there. It is because God chose Jerusalem. Now, the reason why the Jews are important is not because they are Jews. It is because God chose Israel. The reason why I could go on like that, I hope I'm clear so that there is no confusion. Is everybody so with me? I'm sorry, sir. Your line is breaking. Please. Not say no. Sorry, sir. Your line is breaking. Please. Okay. Should I repeat what I said? It's, it's, it's not so great. Hear me now. It's, it's, it's not really. a lot of static, um, Dr. Abu. Uh, a lot of static, um, Dr. Abu. Should I, should I go over what I said earlier? Can you try changing positions a little, sir? Yes, please. Thank you. It's audible. Sir? Sorry? Can you change the position where you're sitting, please? Can you change the position where you're sitting, please? I hadn't changed anything, so maybe what I might have to do is see if I change the device. The only challenge is that I might not be able to share my screen thereafter. So, otherwise, I would just let us go ahead and ask questions instead. Um, it's clearing up. It's clearing up. I wonder what I can do now. It's clearing up. It's clearing, it's clearing up. up. Okay. Thank you. Are you well? So let me repeat what I have said. I said that when. No, I'm not wearing anything. I'm just speaking directly to my laptop microphone. And then it's the, then it's the internet. Yeah. I've been using all this time. 
not clear. No. Is it clear? No. Not clear. No. No, there's a rust rustles. Okay. No. there's a rust rustles. Was the fact that if you look at the reason why Jerusalem is called Jerusalem is because of two basic things. Maybe we could even say three, but two basic things because God has a covenant with people and with places. Now, there is the aspect of time, but for Jerusalem, it's going to continue to be the headquarters. It might change in terms of when the new heaven and the new earth come into being, there will be a new Jerusalem, but it will still be Jerusalem. So that's the only thing. That's the reason why I said two. So I said God has covenants with people, covenant with places, covenant with time. And I was saying Jerusalem was called Jerusalem even before the Jews came to Jerusalem. That we heard somebody say that it was named by the Jebusites. And I said, well, if we're talking of the human beings that first got the revelation of that, at least in recorded history in the Bible, we might be right to say that. But otherwise, you know, it's important for us to get it clearly. Um, I hope everybody can see the scripture I'm sharing. Yes, sir. All right. It says, now it came to pass. This is Joshua chapter 10. Everybody still with me? Now it came to pass when Adonizedek, king of, somebody help me. Jerusalem. So, so, so at the end of the day, this is Jerusalem long before, well, let me put it this way. Was this before or after David had been born? It's before, sir. Before. Thank you. Well, this is what I was trying to, you know, work on. The fact that we might end up with a challenge. Uh, the other device now has gone off. But not to worry. I'm going to just go ahead with this one that we have and move on. All right. I'm just going to go on with what I have. It just means you might not have my image anymore, but that's no challenge. That's all right. I hope, you know, everyone still hears me. Yes, sir. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. So let me see if I can, by any chance, share the scripture. It might just be the that I might not be able to share. I'm just going to see if it will work. 
in terms of sharing my screen with the aspect of the scripture. No, this will not allow me to share the scripture. So if there is anybody else that has, you know, ability to share, that can quickly share, whether Kweku or wherever, Sharon, any of you, quickly share that, you know, Joshua chapter 10. So we'll go on from there. Wherever it is that can, please. Okay, thank you. So Joshua chapter 10. All right, there we go with Joshua chapter 10. So it says, now it came to pass when Adoni Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard how Joshua had taken Ai, or I, and had utterly destroyed it, as he had done to Jericho and his king. So he had done to Ai and his king, how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them, that they feared greatly because Gibeon was a great city, like one of the royal cities, and because it was greater than Ai, and all its men were mighty. Therefore, Adonizedek, king of Jerusalem, sent to Hoham, king of Hebron, you know, Peram, king of Jarmuth, Japhia, king of Lachish, and Debir, king of Eglon, saying, come up to me and help me, or may I attack Gibeon, for it has made peace with Joshua with the children of Israel. Therefore, the five kings of the Amorites, Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon, gathered together and went up, they and all their armies, and camped before Gibeon and made war against it. So Jebusites, were actually Amorites. I hope everything is clear. Is everybody still with me? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Where would you? And the men of Gibeon sent to Joshua at the camp of Gilgal. We know the rest of the story. It goes on like that. Till you now come to where it says, Joshua took the nations. And then he began to name the cities he had taken one by one. Well, verse 12 says, Then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said, In the sight of Israel, son, do, do you get the context of all the things you've been quoting? Yes. All right, let's jump to verse 16. But these five kings had fled and hidden themselves in a cave at Makeda. And it was told Joshua, saying, the five kings have been found hidden in the cave at Makeda. So Joshua said, roll large stones against the mouth of the cave and set men by it to guard them. And do not stay there yourselves, but pursue your enemies and attack them. And we know that they went after the rest of the people. But verse 22, I'm just going step by step. Then Joshua said, open the mouth of the cave and bring out those five kings to me from the cave. And they did so. 
and brought up those five kings to him from the cave. Who was the first king? King of Jerusalem. The king of Jerusalem. It's important that we, we have that clear understanding that, you know, the king of Jerusalem was one of them. The king of Hebron was another. The king of Jamut was another. The king of Lachish, the king of Eglon. Once we understand that these names had been there before now, I can go on. So God named the place Jerusalem. It didn't matter who came later. Even when some people temporarily, like the Romans, tried to change the name, it was reverted to Jerusalem because man cannot change any covenant name. I don't think some people got what I just said. Because when you get that, it doesn't matter what anybody does because Say God starts with a proposal. In Genesis 15, he makes a proposal to Avram concerning the kind of covenant he has with him. And, you know, he said in chapter 17, verse 1, walk before me and be perfect. And then the cutting of the covenant now was to be done. In even the case of Avram, who became Abraham that day in Genesis 17, where there was the, you know, cutting of the foreskin so that blood will flow, which was a token in his flesh of the covenant. Bury it to cut and let blood flow. So that marked the beginning of a new level of relationship between God and Abraham, just like we are seeing today, marks the end of one particular season and the beginning of another. The end of the year for the firstborn nation politically and the beginning of a new year. Where they say Shana Tova, you know, it's like a good new year. And, you know, Rosh Hashanah is the head of the year. All right? But don't let me go into that. The key point here is that covenant with day and night, covenant because everything has to do with foundations. Anytime there is a covenant, it's a new foundation. So that then when you are renewing the covenant, it's like you're going back to the original. That's where I've been going all this time. Once you understand that, then I think we are going somewhere. And everybody will be happy that will make the difference that God ordained for us to make. Because I could have gone on to read other scriptures pertaining to covenants and all of that, that normally I would want us to enjoy talking about. I hope so far, so good. Everybody has understood what we have said so far. Yes, sir. We do. Excellent. Excellent. So I'm going to go the next level. Go quickly back to the Genesis chapter 15, verse 1, and then we can take Genesis 17, and probably I might share, you know, something from Genesis 22, or I'll just leave that 
You know, so Genesis 15, we start from verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. And Abram understood that, that he was proposing a covenant to him. Because when I say, I am going to be your shield, in the light of 1 Samuel 18, you will realize that David and Jonathan entered a covenant and the armor of Jonathan was given over to David. So when I become your shield, I am ready to be vulnerable. I'm ready to rather expose myself to danger than for you to be exposed to danger. It means I want to enter a covenant where it's my life for your life. But I don't say, Lord God, what would you give me? Seeing I go childless and the heir of my house is a laser of Damascus. So he's even gone beyond just me because I see that once it's God, the Lord God himself coming to me, it will have to be an everlasting covenant. So then who will be the heir of this covenant? Then Abram said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, look now toward heaven. Is anybody still following? Because you can see now, before we even go to Jeremiah 31, that indeed God is saying, my covenant with time, my covenant with first of all people, covenant with places, covenant with time, cannot be broken. So I want you to remember, I said to Noah in chapter 8, as long as the earth remaineth, you know, seed time and harvest, you know, cold and heat, uh, summer and winter, you know, etc., etc., shall never cease. Okay? So he brought him outside now and talked about the you know, bodies that were supposed to mark day and night, according to Genesis 1, 14 to 19, that we have read, or at least referred to earlier. So he brought him outside and said, look now toward heaven and enumerate the stars, meaning take a census with their houses, according to their houses. If you are able to enumerate them, number them. He said to him, so shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. We would have to take that another time and go much deeper than that. All right? And the heifer and all of the other things that are symbolic of even what the Jewish people believe, if they see, then it is a sign of the restoration of the tabernacle of David, the restoration of the temple of Solomon, etc., etc. Don't let me go into all that. You can read the rest of chapter 15 on your own. Maybe quick, we can just scroll up a bit. Scroll, yeah. Uh, I mean, scroll down then so that yeah, it should be that way. Okay, all right. Just, just, just stop there, you know. So here you see that even in a dream, God now shows him the various things and the covenant is cutting as God. Then verse 17, and it came to pass 
when the sun went down and it was dark. Uh, behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, or Avram, to your descendants I've given this land. So do you see the covenant with the place? From the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Kadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Gigashites, and the, somebody help me, so, so let's get this clearly, because I'm saying the reason why today's Israel physically is important is because God chose this piece of land. It's not because there are Jews there. So now Jews become important because somewhere along the line, he, through Moses, chose a people that he was bringing out to be the firstborn nation. I hope I'm clear so far. So it's his kingdom that makes Jews important. It is his kingdom that makes you important. It is his kingdom that makes any nation important. And if he says firstborn, then he's firstborn. You like it, you don't like it. The earlier you just agree with God, the better, because you're wasting your time. Now let's jump to Genesis 17 from verse 1 because it, it, it helps because somehow we end up with unnecessary challenges because we don't understand covenant. God is saying, I am starting a new thing. I'm initiating something new by signing a covenant with man, with places, with time. Now verse, seven, verse 1, when Avram was 99 years old. The Lord appeared to Avram and said to him, I'm almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. Please, if you forgot anything else, if you miss anything else, don't miss this particular part. It is very important. Very, very important. That when there is a covenant, whether it's between men, they want to say, you walk before me and be blameless. I'll be perfect. Much, much, much more with the kind of covenant that is divine covenant with God, not just between men supervised by, you know, a deity. No, this is with the deity of all deities himself. And I will make my covenant between me and you, and I'll multiply you exceedingly. So now he's talking about a covenant that will be perpetual, that has to do also with fruitfulness. I talked about fruitfulness, the fruit of the covenant. Then Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you. So God calls this particular covenant, my covenant is with you. You shall be a father of many nations. So now it goes beyond just being a father of Isaac but the father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Avram, but your name shall be called Avraham, for I have made you father of many nations, from exalted father to father of many nations. Oh, that God will help us in our renewal of covenant every week. 
to pray, you know, on the day of the week on which we were born, to say, God, I thank you because your covenant is with me. And because of this covenant, I will walk faithfully before you. I will walk blamelessly before you because of the covenant over my life. I will ensure I do not in any shape or form bring your name into disrepute or in, you know, somehow begin to uh, uh, revile you in any shape or form or, you know, ruin or sell your reputation is very important. And he says, you know, you are supposed to be fruitful. Doesn't that sound like the original covenant again? Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. So he makes Avram, Avraham, the father of many nations. And verse 6, I'll make you exceedingly fruitful. I'll make nations of you and kings shall come from you. So it's not just one king, kings. Now establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. So when you're praying that prayer, you say, Lord, I thank you for your covenant with me, which is in the blood of Jesus, an everlasting covenant, a covenant of life, a covenant of peace, a covenant of multiplication, a covenant of fruitfulness, a covenant of protection, a covenant of propulsion, a covenant of progress, a covenant of provision, a covenant of prosperity, everything you can see here, because I don't have the time to go one after the other, but a covenant of perpetuity. Also, I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger. So covenant always has to do with people, has to do with land, has to do with possessions, has to do, because you can't marry somebody and say, okay, uh, I still keep my things. No, everything now belongs to you together. Very, very important. So the reason why this land for any descendant of Abraham that can easily be traced back to Abraham or Abraham is still an everlasting possession. It's just because of that. Could that be the reason why in our day and time or time and day that we have now the whole discussion about Abrahamic covenant? Oh, wow. So could that be the reason why even for the Arab world, Abrahamic accords? So, so when you renew covenant with God, know that nobody can change it for the rest of time. Please remember that. So you don't get misled. So that then when you are praying, you pray with that level of confidence that what God has done, no man can change it. No entity can change it. No nation can change it. Pertaining to your life, pertaining to your family, pertaining to your people, pertaining to your lineage, pertaining to your ancestry, 
pertaining to your community, pertaining to your city, pertaining to your nation, pertaining to your continent, pertaining to our world, pertaining to our universe. Very important. And God said to Abraham, see, the name has changed now. As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep. So now the issue of tokens, signs, seals. And I said, this is the season you will see a lot of things that prove that people understand covenant. Whether it's the Commonwealth Games, the opening in Birmingham, the whole thing about the bull, which was representing quite some uh, tokens of covenants, the mascots and all of that, which are also tokens of the covenant, to the most recent one that had to do with the death of Queen Elizabeth II and the you know, installation of King Charles III, the, the whole thing about the token of the covenant, including Baphomet, you know, the so-called royal goat, some of you remember that you saw that, you know, because mascots are tokens. Tokens are signs, representatives of the actual thing. Just like the sun, the moon, and the stars are supposed to be signs in the heavens and all that. Don't let me go far and wide into tokens of the covenant. We'll take our time to share concerning that. But I just want you to know that when you see things from today, stop looking at them on the surface. Because God actually said that this is the year of the release of his people. And, you know, some of those that have the prophecy directives, you know what God said. And even, you know, the Babylonian captivity of 70 years, uh, you see. And in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, etc., etc. As for you, you shall keep my covenant. So what is the token of God's covenant with me as Abu Bakr? What's the token of God's covenant with you? As Put your name there. Those are some of the things you will do on the day of renewal of your covenant and ensure that you're keeping your part of the covenant, the terms of the covenant. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins. It shall be a sign, a token of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. And God made sure the highest concentration so far that science has discovered of vitamin K for blood clotting is on the eighth day in a man's life. So that there will be no challenge. It will be almost instantaneous on the eighth day. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male child in your generations, he who is born in your house or bought with money from any foreigner who is not your descendant, even they shall have the sign because you're supposed to be father of many nations. I hope somebody is following. He who is born in your house, he who is bought with your money must, not me, must be circumcised and my covenant shall be in your flesh 
for an everlasting covenant. Could that be the reason why he talked about the Jew in the heart in Romans chapter 2, verse 28, and the circumcision of the heart? Let's leave that for another day. And the uncircumcised male child who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that person shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Let me probably stop there. You do know that, you know, when it came to Sarah, she was Sarai. And God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I'll bless her and also give your son by her because a covenant is actually to say whatever it takes, unless it's beyond me, I'll do it for you. That's why a husband who is a good husband will be ready to die for his wife. Will go any length to prove that he's a trustworthy, a protective providing husband. And that's what God was saying here. I hope everybody understands that. And God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. Now bless her and also give your son by her. Then I'll bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. And actually, if you wanted to just read it literally, she shall be nations. Kings of peoples shall be from her. Wow. Sarah shall be nations. Yeah. And because it's like, I think now you're stretching this thing. God, you mean... <laughs> I will end up, you know, having somebody born to a man who is 100 years old and Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear. You know something, God, let Ishmael live before you. Just bless him. God said, no, Sarah, your wife shall bear your son. May God give somebody clarity here that from today, from this city of Jerusalem, as I pray, the altar of God in this city is linked up to the altar of God in the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. And everything over your life, everything over your family, over your clan, over your tribe, or I jumped over your lineage, your ancestry, over your city, your nation, your continent, over your world. Let every such thing that ought to be released be released and activated now from heaven, the headquarters of the government of God in the universe, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That every single heir of the covenant will begin to experience the reality of the covenant in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Whatever God said concerning Ishmael and the 12 princes, and you can go through the Arab world and see, including, you know, whatever anybody knows. That's why, you know, Masr, Om El Dunya, you know, Masr, talking of Egypt, 
the mother of the world or the mother of nations. It was because of this one having 12 princes. But don't let me go into too many details. But my covenant, I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this set time. So there was a covenant now with time. Set time next year. At this set time next year. Now, maybe I can just let you quickly, you know, go to Jeremiah chapter 31 so that then we can use that to end my presentation. I thought I was just doing a quick introduction and then I'll let you ask your questions. But I guess, you know, somehow uh, I've ended up with this whole time because most people, I better jump to about verse 30 because I, I could have gone step by step, but let me just, but everyone shall die. Uh, you know, for his own iniquity, every man who eats a sour grapes, his teeth shall be set on edge. Just talking of the fact that no longer shall, you know, fathers be punished for children, children. Then verse 31, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah. So you see a renewal of covenant, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant, which they broke, though I was a husband to them. Please, I hope somebody is following because I, I mentioned all of these words. Though I was a husband to them, says the Lord, but this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I'll put my law in their hearts. Do you see the circumcision in the flesh of the heart, not the flesh of the foreskin, but the heart. So the circumcision of the soul. Receive the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. According to James chapter 1, you know, from verse 21, 22, all, all that. But don't let me go to James chapter 1. Let me finish this. So, he says, but this is the covenant that I'll make with the house of Israel after the, those days, says the Lord. I'll put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, engrafted, inscribed in their hearts. Now be their God and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother saying, know the Lord for they all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I'll remember no more. Meaning in this renewal of covenant, you need to get to the place where you can talk of the forgiveness of sins. You can talk about the protection of God. You can talk about you know, the knowledge of God for every individual in the house. So it's no more just you know, uh, for, for a few people. No, it's everybody. It is important that you all understand that. If you do not get it, you will miss it. And it's important that we get that clearly enough. Now, let me go back to verse 32, just so we, we, we understand that quickly. What did he say in verse 32? 
not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. So the day, there was also a covenant with that day, but it's not too clear. Go to chapter 33, verse 20, so that we can see what I'm talking about. And I'll have to stop there. There are many other scriptures in terms of covenant with day and with night, but I just want to end with 33, verse 20, and probably verse 25. But let's just see. Okay, and the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, that's verse 19, verse 20. Thus says the Lord, if you can break my covenant with the day and my covenant with the night, so that there will not be day and night in their season. Does that sound like Genesis chapter 1, from verse 14? Then my covenant may also be broken with David, my servant, so that he shall not have a son to reign on his throne, and with the Levites, the priests, my ministers. Meaning, your covenant of kingship, your covenant of priesthood, is actually going to remain as long as there is day and night. Quote Shikai As the host of heaven cannot be numbered, nor the son of the sea measured, so will I multiply the descendants of David, my servant, and the Levites who minister to me. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, Have you not considered that these people have spoken, saying, The two families which the Lord has chosen, he has also cast them off. Thus, they have despised my people as if they should no more be a nation before them. Thus says the Lord, if my covenant is not with day and night, and if I have not appointed the ordinances, if you understand this, it will actually make you jump out of your seat. Because once I walk under God's covenant, nothing no man, no entity, no time, no place can break that or shift me out. Unless I move, unless I break it. That says the Lord, if my covenant is not with day and night, if I have not appointed the ordinances of heaven and earth, if you know the ordinances that govern the heavens and the earth, you can set up God's dominion on the earth according to Job 38, verse 33. All right. If you know the ordinances that govern the heaven and the earth, you can set up God's dominion directly or through these heavenly bodies and, you know, the ordinances of the heavens. He says, then I'll cast away the descendants of Jacob and David, my servant, so that I will not take away uh, take any of his descendants to be rulers over the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and J Jacob, for I'll cause their captives to return and have mercy on them. I think I've said enough for tonight. If you have questions, you can ask questions, but I hope you got something out of this, that God's covenant with us is something that is not only with people, with places and time, but is witnessed by people, places, and time, and those elements that mark times and seasons, the heavens, the heavenly bodies. Thank you very much for the privilege of your attention and your time and your presence.
the Lord enable you to utilize this to glorify his name. Now, quick questions before we close for the night. Any question? Yes, I have a question. Okay. Go ahead. Was that Andy or who was the one asking the question? Um, I think she can go. She can go first. Okay, okay Nima. Yes, I am. I am calling from Canada, and yeah. last night we had, uh, you know, this hurricane Fiona or something in, in a place called Saskatchewan, and it destroyed homes and uh, a lot of disaster. So I'm trying to think about what you said about the covenant with. Uh, you know, like when you said about the sea can only go so far no more. And I was just thinking like, uh, then why the destruction that took place like last night in Saskatchewan and most of these other areas in the Mediterranean that have been affected by the current um, cyclone. Okay. I don't know whether I made myself clear. Why do, you know, destructive and seemingly bad things happen? Yeah. If God is in covenant with the earth. Yes. Precisely because of the covenant. Because of? Precisely because of the covenant. I thought I would get your attention. You see, if you took notes of some of the things that were said, he said, because they broke my covenant, I did this, I allowed this, I allowed that. Do you remember reading part of that? Yes. Now, so there are things that go, okay, let me make it even easier. Are, are there natural laws? Yes. That's almost rhetoric, okay? If you break the laws, are there consequences for those laws? Yes, there is. So do you think anybody in certain regions of the world have broken quite a few of these natural laws? Maybe. Well, maybe in Canada, nobody is breaking any natural laws. But where I live, not where I am now, but even where I am, that's where we have a lot of examples in the Bible. But even where I live in Accra, Ghana, one of the easiest you know, illustrations is people building waterways, sometimes you know, man trying to divert you know, the uh, passage of rivers and all that you know, because of civilization wanting to build cities as against rather letting the water be part of the city so that then you build around the banks and all that. You do it in such a way that you're not interfering. No, we try to interfere and we suffer the consequences a lot of times. Uh, we have, you know, challenges as much as I would be ashamed to admit that in Accra and, you know, almost every year, of course, there, there have been a few things done trying to remedy that. 
So back to the point here. Um, hurricanes, tornadoes, typhoons, <laughs> and all of that. Does God use them for disciplining man? Yes. But there are also times that the enemy tries to use them, and God can use even the wicked for the day of trouble, according to the scriptures. That's Proverbs chapter 16, verse 4. Now, so you do have that, and there are times that the enemy or the agent of discipline goes beyond what he should, and then God punishes that one too, like it happened with the king of Assyria, that he called, you know, a ravenous bird from the east in Isaiah. Does that help to answer the question? Okay, yes, then second does. point under that same question. Is it possible that somebody who is a covenant son would ask God, Lord, what is happening? I hear this particular hurricane is coming. What is it that you would have us do? If God tells them what they should do, how they can stop whatever they need to stop, uh, how to even get people to avert certain disasters, like it happened, you know, on the eastern coast, coast of Africa. There are a lot of things happened, tsunami, you know, so much devastation, but nobody died, not a single soul. It happened also, if you recall, you know, in uh, the Pacific Rim. And that time, the global altar watch was spraying during the 360 days. And again, we all saw on television, though some people tried to, you know, from Australia and some of the other places, try to even introduce LGBTQI++ things into that. God protected people who were praying in a particular building, if you recall. So it's possible for covenant sons to mitigate the impact of even judgments because of Ezekiel 22 verse 30. So that's the balance. I hope that helps you. Yes, it does. Thank you. All right. Andy, go ahead, then call a fellow. All right. Apologies if you may have answered this question in the beginning because I joined a bit in the middle of the presentation. So, um, so I understand a bit about the covenant where you took it from Genesis 17 and Jeremiah 31. But um, the question is um, tying it back to the day of your birth. Maybe that is the point I missed. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so that's my question. How do I tie it? How do you tie it to the day of your birth? Yeah. Very good question. Um, do you remember Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4? Taking notes, so please go ahead. <laughs> uh, somebody can read it. There is no harm or even shade on the screen, no challenge. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. Because I want you to understand that his covenant with the earth came after his covenant with you, but you are supposed to see the manifestation. It said Ephesians chapter you know, one verse four. Yeah. 
what can you just yeah excellent so okay let me actually start with you know the verse that you see verse three blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly in christ just as he chose us in him please help me when did he choose us in him before the foundation of the, the world before the foundation of the world so so that is very clear i'm predestined us to adoption as sons by jesus christ himself according to the good pleasure of his will all right you can take that off so in terms of when the reason why i went as far back as even the time of melchizedek the one who was without beginning of days no end of days as we see in hebrews but i used genesis 14 as the king of salem and the fact that god named places because of his covenant with the earth so for me as a person when it comes to the day of my birth i can now declare the renewal of god's covenant with see the places aspect see the aspect of time and then the people so that's how i relate that so in terms of places you know all the places that have bearing on my fulfilling god's mm. covenant upon my life that becomes important for me to invoke a covenant of god upon my life all the places that have any bearing then i come to people then i come to the aspect of time since it was before time itself began since it was before the foundation of the world then the world cannot change anything pertaining to my life that god has decreed so as i renew the covenant i thank god that is coming to pass the way god ordained it does that help yes all right thank you uh hello fellow i'm probably after that we may have to begin to wind down unless we want to probably extend by 10 minutes or 5 hello fellow yes shalom daddy um my question is around um when you mentioned mascots being tokens of signs of covenant what about um families that have family crests uh which is like a combination of different things is that also a token let's of- take that again sorry uh, i was asking about families that have like family crests and um so so those would be usually a combination of things it's like an emblem that the family yeah. has oh i um, thought you just said now uh tokens emblems totems are they similar words 
Yes, they are, sir. So, crests, coats of arm, do they have meaning? I would think they do, sir, yes. Uh, does South Africa have a coat of arms? Yes, we do. How did those coat of arms come about? Well, with South Africa, I recall our, our present one um, got formulated in the early 2000s. Um, but there was a whole story around it. I remember when I was still in primary school, we had to study it. But I don't recall oh, it. Wow. <laughs> so there was a whole story around it. Yes, around the different elements that make the coat of answer. I see. So, was there a story around circumcision? Yes, there is. And it's deeper than you think. We have because when it comes to the consummation of the covenant between a man and a woman, it has to do with the signs of the covenant being consummated also. It's not only the aspect of, excuse me to say, you know, uh, genital oneness, but the fact that they had the sign in the case of the man, you know, when he had the circumcision, in the case of the woman, on the day that, you know, from God's perspective, the man meets her for the first time and the virginity, the hymen is broken. And there are all kinds of accidents that could take place. But once in the realm of the spirit and the realm of the soul is still true, then the being one flesh is not negated. But I'm just telling you that there is a whole story around it because it had to do with he and his descendants. And that's how the descendants will be produced. I could go on and on. We have heard that, you know, recently, uh, what's his name? Museveni put some people in prison. And he said he is not actually imprisoning them for anything. He just thinks that since they think that same-sex marriage is correct, they will remain in prison until they come, you know, produce an offspring. That day, they are released. But that's by the way. Let me get back to what I was saying. <laughs> so it's important for us to understand that when God talks about things like this, and you look at, okay, family, mascots, uh, tokens, other covens, like, you know, the crests, um, you know, totems, um, you know, Maybe you could also call them coats of arms, which is the crest you're talking about. And sometimes people talk about other kinds of things, you know, decals, all that. Do you think then that they are tokens of covenant? Even if the people are not too conscious, the ones who did it the first time might have been aware of what it was supposed to be representing. Because nobody 
makes any Christ without a purpose, without a story around it. Does that help in any shape or form? Yes, it does, sir. Thank you so much. Excellent. I think you haven't lowered your hand because I was checking and I thought there was another hand. So thank you. So, well, in that case, we might just wind down here unless we want to take it to, you know, 2040 UTC. Otherwise, then we just go ahead and end it here. If there is no other question, comment, point of clarification, contribution, let me thank you for your attention and the privilege of your presence and declare that even as people here where I am today enter a new year, so shall it be that everyone will also experience the newness of life, a renewal of covenant, renewal of God's appointment for you with humanity, appointment for you with places, appointment for you with time, that you will not miss your appointment with God and God's appointment for you with people, with places, with time. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we declare from today, you entered new levels of the expression of God, his faithfulness, his covenant expression, his covenant endowment, his covenant provisions, his covenant call, his covenant assignment, and even when it comes to his covenant redemptive purpose, redemptive endowment, redemptive deposit, redemptive call, and all of that, that you will enter the fullness of the expression of the same. In the name of the Lord Jesus, let every year of your life, just like some people consistently celebrate New Year, here you are with, you know, Israel celebrating this particular, you know, Rosh Hashanah. Now, every nation also has an Independence Day or a National Day where they renew covenants. So here is a time that some people are renewing covenant. If the firstborn is renewing the covenant, let the others also enjoy the privilege. We decree and declare that established right now. And we pray even for Israel and declare you will find the God of the Lord God of Israel, Yeshua HaMashiach. You will end up, you know, knowing him, Bishem Adonai, in the name of the Lord Jesus, that you will be able to say, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Baruch Haba. Hashem Adonai or Hashem Adonai, depending on which direction you want to approach it from. We decree that now in the name of the Lord Jesus. I declare unto you, Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, O Israel, Israel, hear the word of the Lord. From today, you'll begin to turn in the direction of God. I see God changing the narrative concerning Israel and Jerusalem and even the government 
of Israel. God is beginning to reconstitute the government. I see, you know, a development plan for the government of Israel that is even like a supplementary thing to what God had already said in the past, where some things will be happening within the next nine to 13 months and things will begin to turn in the right direction again, where there has been any compromise, we declare an end to those compromises in the name of the Lord Jesus, and where there is a need for change of any man, any woman, we declare them change in the name of the Lord Jesus. Even before the elections, we decree that established right now, and we declare from heaven, the headquarters of the universal kingdom, it is done. Thank you, Lord God Almighty. We declare also concerning our lives that we shall enjoy the reality of all of your provisions according to your original plan and purpose in the name that's above all names, Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen. 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 Well, I hand over back to the people if there is any announcement. We can make the announcements and move on from there. Amen. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you all for coming. And remember, in two weeks, we'll meet again at the same time. If you need um, the recordings from any of the previous meetings, please send us an email and we'll send it out to you. Thank you so very much. Have a blessed week. Shalom. 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 Shalom.